Welcome to the podcast. We're going to get started in just a second. But before we do, I thought this is the perfect opportunity to open up the holiday help desk because, let's face it, Christmas is on its way. There's nothing you can do about it. And if you're one of those people, and I have a feeling you are, who has trouble picking out gifts to give, I'm going to help you. I know I don't come across as a likely candidate. I'm not uh, someone who you'd consider to be a domestic problem solver, but let's just try. A gift, as far as I'm concerned, is something that, I don't know, you want to convey a profound and maybe even a personal message. That That's not a bad idea, right? I mean, sure, you could put a hundred bucks on an Amazon gift card, but you know what message that sends? I put a hundred bucks on an Amazon gift card. So what about this? Music. Yeah. Pick up a copy of Dot Allison's Heart-Shaped Scars or Delamitri's Fatal Mistakes or, I don't know, Toe the Wet Sprocket Starting Now, whatever. Get them on vinyl. Wrap them up. Make a big deal out of it. Throw them under the tree. Or don't throw them if they're vinyl. Slide them gently across the hardwood floor. My point is, the gift of music is the greatest of gifts. Because not only are you supporting the artists... If you buy the music at your local indie record store, you're supporting them too. I know you know this, but I wanted to remind you that you do. So this Christmas, stop sending Jeff Bezos to space and help artists keep food on the table and help keep record stores keep their doors open. And throw a little something in there for yourself. You deserve it. You really do. You worked hard this year, and you're going to work hard next year. So be kind to yourself and buy a stack of vinyl and a box of donuts and that pair of jeans that you saw, and get a dog or a cat or both. You're going to look so cool walking down the street, walking your dog or your cat, holding a handful of vinyl, and eating donuts. Nice multitasking. Very impressive. Okay, I may have overcooked that scenario. I mean, how many hands would you have to have to make that work? You're walking the dog. You're holding the vinyl. You're eating donuts. I have a feeling you could pull it off. I'm Alex Green. And this is Stereo Embers, the podcast. Check this out. Dave Monks from his work with his band, Tokyo Police Club. Since 2005, the Canadian-bred TPC have been one of the most exciting indie rock outfits around, putting out albums like Champ and Elephant Shell. They played on Letterman and Craig Ferguson, and they played every festival around, like Outside Lands, Lollapalooza, Coachella, and Bonnaroo. And though the beloved Juno-nominated band are still an ongoing proposition, so is Monks' solo career. His sophomore album, I've Always Wanted to Be Me, is a nervy blast of life-affirming indie rock that's big and crunchy 
hook-filled, and catchy. But it's also lyrically direct and emotionally vulnerable, making it one of the most memorable albums of the year. And the chat you're about to hear, well, I think it's pretty memorable too. Dave is a very cool guy, very honest, very funny, very smart. I really like talking to him. So here you go. Me and Dave Monks having a conversation right here on Stereo Embers, the podcast. How have you been? Um, I've been great. I'm, uh, I guess I'm kind of uh, transitioning back into uh, getting to shows and stuff and being more of a person in the world, I guess, like a lot of people. So it's a fun time. How were you when you were not able to be a person in the world? <laughs> How were you? How was your day to day? Well, uh, my day to day is pretty unstructured. Uh, so it's... Uh, it was definitely a little up and down, but uh, I, I would say for the first like year of the pandemic, I was so focused on making music and recording and stuff like that, that I was definitely born aloft on the tides of creativity. But uh, the start of this year and like the spring got into like a real lull. Like, I, I don't know where you're based, but it got pretty gloomy up here. And uh, yeah, I was definitely excited for whatever was going to be next. And uh yeah, at this point, I'm feeling like I got a bunch of good stuff going on. So it's pretty fun. But you were mentioning that you having having an unstructured day. And I've been thinking about that lately where it's sort of like, I like that it appeals to my slacker roots. Um, but I always I also feel that a little structure like having for you having shows on the calendar, having places to be, it makes me more productive. Do you find that that's true? I think that um yeah, like I definitely identify in terms of having, I'm like a slacker who's trying to be an apple polisher as well at the same time or something. Uh, but uh, yeah, definitely. I, I find that I get productive. Like for example, this solo record I've been promoting, I, I have no band. Um, I have, I mean, I have a, a uh, my friends helping manage me just, just kind of loosely. And, you know, I have a, a press Brendan's doing press, but I don't really have a ton of structure around it. And so my only way of being productive, which I was very productive is just sort of going into like a 24 seven panic mode of if I'm not doing something now, nothing's going to happen. And there's no assurance of like, Oh no, I've got that scheduled in I've penciled in for tomorrow afternoon. That's going to happen. So I it feel, being unstructured feels natural to me, but it, there's definitely an un, unhealthy side of it uh, because I'm not one to sit around, so I end up just being involved in whatever I'm doing 24-7. And do you feel anxiety if you feel yourself like, oh, I'm doing the sitting around thing now. There's not a lot of productivity on my end. I need to I need to up that. Yeah, well, what happens if I feel like this? If the sitting around starts happening, then I start doing stuff, and then I do way too much stuff, and then I, I get, like, uh, then I spiral, and then I've got, like, I've got, like, all my, like, my, like, anxiety, like, toolbox you know like I've got different things that I do um so so then I so then I go I get to a certain point and go okay this is you have now you are now useless and you need to pick one of these things and just do that and you might need to do another one of those and then that might be the rest of the day then actually so yeah still uh, still developing the time management skills I mean I look at, at your career and, and you're it's amazing what you've accomplished in so little time, right? I mean, you, you, not little time, but you, but you've certainly um, crammed a lot in. There's not a lot of, not a lot of downtime. You've, you've, you know, sort of the discography is, is busy. The, the road is busy. You've got a lot going on always. Um, And it seems like you, you manage really well with that sort of, um, with a schedule that's pretty, pretty crammed. Yeah, it definitely the, I mean, the first like 10, years of Tokyo were, or maybe, yeah, the, the first eight or nine years of Tokyo, we were, it was sort of, 
the gears were turning and it was like this whole thing. And we were sort of in more of the like young kids, like we were like the young bucks and the, our, our label and our manager were sort of being like, keep, keep moving, like in, in a positive way, like keep going, like this record is happening. I don't, I know you have reservations, but it's happening. Like this tour is happening. Like, and so we were really just, um, yes, like the schedule was kind of laid out for us or definitely like the motivation to have a schedule was laid out for us. And um, in the last, um, you know, six or seven years, it's become more of a, um, well, yeah, it's more autonomous and especially with the solo stuff. So I'm equally as busy because that's what I feel like is normal. And, uh, but it's all coming from, uh, it's just coming from us and myself. Yeah, I'm a writer and I, and I, there are times where I, if I'm not writing, if, if, you know, if a week goes by and I haven't written, um, I'm, I don't beat myself up, but, but I'm very aware of it. Like, yeah. <laughs> I can feel that sort of like, oh, you haven't, it's like not having not done exercise or something. It's like at your heels, right? It's like, um, it, you're not really free until you can't relax until you've done it, or at least like tried sufficiently. Uh, what are you writing? What are you writing? I'm, I'm right. Lately, I've been writing a lot of fiction. And so I've been working on this new book. Um, and it's been one of those things where I might let it go for a week or two. And then I sort of, I, mean, I was talking to Sam Roberts about this a couple of months ago, and he told me the idea of, I'm not sure how it is for you, but if you say, oh, I'm going to go to a cabin and just write, he said the problem for him is then he'll start doing cabiny things. He won't. <laughs> He won't. Well, he's a pretty cabiny guy. <laughs> he's a cabiny guy, and he won't. And he says, "I'll just start getting doing all these cabiny things, and I won't." Right. So what he was really saying is like, you just sit down and you do it where you are, which which I kind of think is true. I fully agree. The like, the romance of like going away for the retreat and all that—it's not gonna happen. And when you get there, you just can't. There's no sort of flow unless you're like fucking James Joyce or something like that you're going to get into, that's going to be productive for that. And so I, I've stopped. I, I think I've stopped yearning for that. I like, I come down to my room here and I um, do stuff and I would. Yeah. But like, I, I read this, the book, I read that book, the war of art. Have you read that? Yeah. And I didn't know if it was like positive or not for me. I was like, I read this and I was like, Oh yeah, it's true. Like you just do it. But I feel like, uh, I, I don't know. It like, it like, it, it just amped up that fear of not doing it. And I think when I like zoom out, I'm like, wait, 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 I'm getting enough stuff written. I'm doing what I set out to do. I don't, I don't know if I need, I don't know if the structure, I don't know how much structure works for me. I, I definitely do it daily, but I don't have like a 9am like call time or something. No, and, and I know there's a lot of writers that I know who will get up at five in the morning and write from five to nine. I'm not that person. I can't do that. Yeah. You know, but I, but I, do, and I also, I'm also really careful because I read, in it, after I read that book, I read another book where they were saying the worst thing you can do, and I don't know, maybe, I don't know if you found this, is to tell people what you're working on because, oh, yeah. it's, right? Uh, the worst thing, because if it's not done, you get the same dopamine hit as if you were doing it so then you do nothing it's it's not good and also if something is in like um uh, and it needs work it needs it needs a little finessing but you start playing it and you kind of forget that it's a work in progress and you and then you never really get around to fixing the bridge or whatever um yeah totally like i think there's people in my life that are just really that give me the thumbs up when i'm down on what I'm doing. Like I do need, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I need a huge amount of encouragement, like all, like all the time. I need somebody like to be telling me that it's awesome all the time. Uh, and, but it's not like, uh, I guess, yeah, I do. There's a couple people I play stuff for and I'm like, and they're just like, cool. Like, sounds good. Like keep going. I'm like, okay, great. But yeah, like I don't, uh, I don't, I used to like bust more songs out for friends and that I, I used to go to, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, uh, Julia Cameron has a thing in her artist way book about like, like 
containment creates magic or magic requires containment, which I think is pretty true. Cause it, you know, you, you got to let yourself get weird with things and you, you want to go to like embarrassing and awkward places when you're creating. And so you need to feel like you're in a totally private space. Yeah. Because there is a, there is such a massive private element to creation. Um, and I think that when you sort of take it public, it feels real and it feels limiting actually to start even workshopping it in a discussion arena. Um, and I found with writers, I've definitely found that the ones who talk so much about the work that they're doing typically aren't doing that work outside of just that conversation, <laughs> which is, I guess is okay. Totally. I, um, yeah, I took to TikTok and I was talking about like stuff I'd learned about writing and, you know, sort of, um, yeah, like some of those like philosophies or approaches I'd gleaned from books like that. And I don't think it was getting, it wasn't getting in the way of my own writing process at the time, but I did start to feel like, wait, who, I don't know what I'm like, this was working for me, but that doesn't mean it's going to work for other people. And, you know, there's definitely a place for motivation, but there's def there's also no like correct philosophy. Um, so you're right. And there's a danger of over intellectualizing it. Totally. Yeah. Like, um, I, uh, sometimes in the band like when Tokyo is making stuff I I'm talking about this thing of like I don't want to people get excited about something and, and be like oh like it's like we're doing this or we're doing this and I've, I've been able to put my finger on it more recently and I'm like oh like I don't want to start telling creating the myth of what we did in the studio while yeah. we're doing it and just because something sounds like a rockin ragged shambolic thing doesn't mean that we can't go in and be meticulous about something if that's what it calls for or just because something sounds like um you know like a crispy electronic thing doesn't mean that it didn't happen on someone's laptop and cost nothing or something uh so i think those kind of philosophies uh i can imagine i, th I and that's just a personal style like i know like like graham is amazing at like you know getting I don't know, he gets me excited about making music by by talking about it. And and I think that's the way he engages with like the cultural, you know, collective knowledge of, of what rock and roll is and what like a novel is and what a love song is. And then for me, when I'm in the studio, I'm like, okay, wait, I need that to be packed away because I just need sort of more blankness. The people that you like bust a few things out for and say like, here's some stuff I've done. The people that you know, um, are, are safe spaces for you um are they musicians or are they or are they civilians um well the uh great boon in my life recently is having met allison uh, mcnamara who's my partner and we did some touring and stuff together and she sings on my record but uh she is a musician and i feel like she comes from like like i was never so anyway, yeah, so she is, she's a musician and I, I definitely, uh, she's got a great way of making me feel awesome about whatever I'm making. Uh, and then in the moment where it's like, you know, hey, which song should make the record or is this chord weird or whatever, like that's like its own isolated bit of insight. But oh, so, yeah, that's been in in incredibly helpful for me because I think I, I do... I think probably like a lot of creative, empathetic people, I find it, I, I still struggle to like, feel like my tunes are, are like, like worthy of being recorded sometimes. I'm like, I've got all these songs, but they just all suck because I'm focused on creating something else or something better, or I'm striving for something. And I definitely need someone to be like, no, no, this is all good. This needs to go on a record now. So so that's big. And, you know, my, my parents, I, I play stuff for my parents a lot, which I think is probably pretty, pretty strange, but there was definitely like for TPC and on a wave, I was um, hanging at my parents' house, like playing a lot of tunes for them. And uh, um, yeah, so pretty, but pr pretty much, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't play tunes for like a lot of people. I used to, but yeah. It sounds like your parents were also incredibly supportive of your, musical pursuit yeah my parents are pretty much like the 
the the wildly supportive type uh and my and they're both very creative people but they're not like it doesn't they're not outwardly like artists or i think they're you know i think they have their own relationship with with their creativity and they do make cool stuff but um it's not expressed that way for them in like a career um and uh neither of them are particularly musical but they love music and so i think most of what i do seems like uh a crazy magic trick to them and uh but yeah but they like they're 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 very interested in it and they yeah like when i wanted to drop out of school i was just like, I'm i want to drop out because i got this band it was just like yep yeah, go go nuts and my dad is a uh, is very like just verbally like supportive and yeah so it's that's been that's been huge and i think that's part of my style of enduring is that like i need i need reinforcement a lot and i it's taken me time to like learn that like oh not every type of feedback is going to be positive and i can't just you know like come one come all what do you think of what i'm working on and so there's definitely been some toxicity that i've let in and had to like uh rethink or tripped up on a few things but um finding the right support and then leaning on it i think is great and how are you with criticism how does that feel and how does that land with you now compared to maybe 10 years ago um i guess it depends what type of criticism like if somebody's got thoughts about like um my song and if if it's a musician who's like oh that should you should say you know we not you there because you're talking i'm like oh yeah that's that's pretty good um like i i like that i like getting into the nuts and bolts of it and like talking about it and you know if somebody um you know there's a lot i mean a lot of times people have an idea and i'll be like Ah, that's cool. That's just not what I'm doing. So whatever. But, but there are times where it's handy when I'm stuck on stuff. Um, but uh, yeah. And then like uh, journalistic criticism uh, definitely bums me out. Like it's not, I'm not over it. Uh, I th- I like to be over it. Um, and I'm more over it than I was, but um, yeah, it's like kind of mixed because there's definitely some painful stuff with pitchfork and Tokyo in the early days. And like, you know, like kind of they, and we never got it as bad as like friends of mine and stuff, but you know, they, they, they just, they write shit and it's not good writing all the time and whatever, even if it is good writing, it's too personal for me to like look at objectively. Um, but uh, yeah, even like there was a review of my solo record that bummed me out last year and it sucks because I, I can't, I can't, it's really hard to distance myself from. And so I, I try not to read it. Um, but it's such a personal thing for me. And then at the same time, it bums me out that there's less good music journalism and like, okay, wait, but like, think about for all that, you know, pitchfork and spin and all, all that stuff, like for what they were, uh, they were creating conversation, intelligent conversation around music, and that's just not present now. And um, in the same way, I mean, um, so I miss that. And it makes me think like, oh, like the thoughtful critic has a really important place in uh, culture, um, in the in the whole workings of it all. But yeah, so I, I, I want there to be more well-paid music critics, and I want there to be people who aspire to you know, you know, edit, be editor of Stereo Gum and be reviewing like the new Strokes record. And I want that to be a thing, but it's just not anymore. And uh, that saddens me as well. So I don't don't think I even really thought about this until my first book came out maybe in 2006. And when, when someone reviews your work, they're reviewing what could be two to five years of your life. Um, right. And your, and your money, it didn't just, it wasn't something you cooked up overnight and here it is. This represents a period of time of, of financial, um, you know, hardship and personal sacrifice and time out from friends and, and a totally interruptive process to your life, you know, your life, your creative life becomes your dominant life. And to sort of in six sentences, be kind of smarmy about that 
feels like an unfair transaction. <laughs> it feels to me like it's there's a carelessness about it. And so I think even for me as a journalist, I made the decision like, I just want to cover what I love. I, I don't really feel like it's my, um, it doesn't feel healthy to me to rip things up. That feels like it's more about me than it's, the work. Yeah. I think that's the, I think even if you, you know, really didn't like something, there's a way to review it um, that, you know, respects that, listen, like we have this, we have these amazing artists and, you know, directors and novels and everything in our culture because people feel safe and free enough to go and try things and fail. And to, we, you know, we're learning from them individually and collectively, but yeah, the smarmy slamming of stuff, it's like, it, it's like a disrespect to art in general. Uh, and yeah, I mean, we all love, like, I can go see, you know, like, uh, a movie I didn't like by a director I'm interested in and have like, you know, a, a complete set of thoughts around it without totally writing it off. Um, but yeah, I, I feel you on that. Every Wes Anderson movie is maybe not uh, as perfect as the ones you would love the most, but there's always something interesting and there's always ideas that are bubbling. Um, exactly. That's a perfect. Right? Yeah. I love dogs. I was like, I'm so glad he got his hands dirty making this thing and it was cool to look at. And I'm glad he's out there doing this. Uh, I won't watch it again, but I'm very glad he's doing this. Right. I, that was the one I was thinking of too. And I, but I was, th but I, I remember thinking like, visually, this is a feast. This is awesome. And maybe it isn't landing with me the way that the other ones did, but I still appreciate that it's, that it was created. And like you said, he got his hands dirty. He was trying something. Um, yeah. And it's really, really cool. And um so yeah, so sometimes there can be a misfire or two here or there, but that doesn't mean that you, you know, destroy somebody's life because they tried something. Yeah, yeah. And it's also probably problematic when like one or two publications have the power to do that with like, you know, the clap your hands, say yes of the world or whatever, or the, you know, that band, the Black Kids or whatever, like those moments are you're like ah something something's wrong here i'm a fine young man with the belly of rice i gotta work all day just to keep things nice and you know it's true love is hard to find but i gotta change your mind change your the Canadian press been been a safer space for you yeah actually uh sort of maybe uh it's a smaller space but um there's not as much criticism happening um like there's not as much review reviewing happening and like 
um you know like exclaim guy didn't someone there didn't like my last record but they still cover what i do um and that feels good and uh it does feel a bit more like oh like honestly like i know that guy and like this is one person's opinion and that kind of thing so how does it feel in terms of being creative and also being secure in love is that i mean that's a very personal question i don't i don't mean to pry but i but you mentioned it and i wonder if that has bolstered you emotionally and creatively and the two have sort of have a kind of symbiosis in terms of just a general good feeling you mean uh, in a in my like relationship yeah um yeah like it's an antidote to the endless like panic of like what i gotta make something else that's newer and different and like it it's like a bomb for that but it doesn't end that which uh i think is it's more of an internal thing probably like i don't think there's anything that anyone could give me that's like dave you can you're good. You can stop now. Everyone knows you're super talented. You're good. <laughs> I've like, oh, really? Like, I, I, I don't think anyone could convince me of that. Um, and there's certainly moments when I feel that, but like, I, yeah, I think that like it's nice to have someone there to be like, you know, helping me along and reminding me to like. You know, and Allison's on her own journey too, writing songs, and we're kind of doing that for each other a little bit. But uh, yeah, I'm still like, I just, I, I feel like there's just like still a part of me that's just like, why doesn't everyone see like how, like who I am and like all this kind of stuff? And I, it's crazy. It just keeps going. And yeah, I don't know if I'll have to get into like, like Taoism or something just to like try and turn it off at some point. But yeah, it's real. <laughs> Yeah, it's, I mean, we are, I think as creative people, we can be buckets with holes in them because it's hard, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, as soon as it feels like, ah, oh, you know, Tokyo Blues Club, like, yeah, we had some good records and, you know, we got, got this following, we'll just kick around Canada, play some shows, live, get down to the US once in a while. Uh, I'm like, no, I, I'm not, I'm not interested. I don't have the, I don't have the wherewithal to like, like just sit pretty with that. Like I, I want to feel like there's a new bit of the ceiling that we can like poke up and find the new bit of air. And um, yeah, I think, I think all in balance, hopefully, like hopefully like, um, you know, it can all balance out, but, and I think, it, I think actually it does in our band and that's why it keeps going, but yeah, I, I can't, uh, so I just want to stay with it. I get it. And I think you're hitting on something really interesting. And it really is a big part of the multivarious element of the artist dilemma, which is sort of like, like I remember seeing Elliot Smith on the Academy Awards playing. And I remember, I remember feeling um, like it was too intimate. You know, I almost couldn't watch it because it felt like, I know he's not happy doing this I can tell it's obvious that he is not this is not what he would have envisioned for himself um and he didn't seem happy or comfortable and yeah. I thought he's not, he's the, he's not going to be satisfied with this for all for a myriad of reasons um and it just like I say it felt too intimate but it also made me wonder for indie rock bands you know what is the vision like if you were playing the academy awards and if you were playing um, you know, if you were getting Grammys or something, would I don't know if that would even provide the satisfaction or if it would be able to fill that bucket, right? Like that's sort of the dilemma. Yeah, that's like what, um, yeah, like I'm definitely, I struggle with that because I'm like, well, what do I want? And then like one part of me is like, yeah, well, I want to have a number one. I think like a number one radio single in Canada is like, a mix of like attainable for us and then i'm also i think like that that's actually just probably a reasonable i mean that's like a stretch but like it's a thing too um but then i'm like well what would that really even change like it's not um i guess the reason is this is because like uh like i would that would make me 
a lot of money, but to do that, I would give up my sense of freedom in what I create. Like I would be, I would be creating for a specific like role, like, Oh, we got to push these buttons. And then we would spend the whole year promoting one song and I would have, I would be getting sad because I got 50 songs that need a home. And then we got to go and do these like schmooze in a certain way and do this whole thing. And like, you can't be yourself anymore. Uh, maybe you can't, maybe I got this wrong, but um, yeah. And then I'm like, Oh, well, I feel like the money I would just be the money I would get from doing that would just be to give me freedom to do what I want to do, which I'm already doing. So it's, it's hard for me to get motivated about that. And I think that's one thing, like, I think my version of that a few years ago was like, Oh, I want to go solo because I'm, you know, starving for attention and approval. And I need everyone to see that I can do what the band does um, on my own. And I, and I can't do that. I can do something different. Um, But it turned out that the process, it turns out that the process of doing solo music I thought it would like free me as an artist, but it actually means that like I'm pulling the same load, but by myself and Mm. there's moments when I'm freer in the studio and yeah, some things are faster and there's less people to talk about stuff, but it, it seems to take me, it's not taking me closer to just, um, what I really want to do. And I think what I really want to do is just to, be writing, be in the process of writing as much as possible every day and not have to make a ton of TikToks and not have to get all stressed about which song is going to be the thing and then focus on it and then, you know, spend money on it. And, um, yeah, so it's like, I, and, and, um, yeah, like that's, that's what I want to be doing. And there's so many versions of, that my brain comes up with of like things that I should want that they all seem to take me farther from like, just like the doing of it. Um, and, uh, yeah. So, but I think the the thing that the solo project does bring is it, it's a home for songs that the band wouldn't necessarily fuck with like the, which I need because I really felt that going through like force field and melancholy and, um, TPC a bit it was like too much of a like you know like teams trying to make the playoffs and I was like I need like another bracket like I need like another world because there's too much good stuff that needs a home so that was yeah yeah and it also give, it gives you an outlet for those for all in, in many ways it almost would make you more creative because you have the freedom to say well whatever doesn't happen for for Tokyo I can just siphon off over into my solo career now I have a place for those things yeah totally and it stopped feeling at, at first I was worried it would feel like tier a and tier B, but it's more just like tier band and tier Dave. And they're just sort of different at this. I think they're, I think they're heading in just different directions. Yeah. And I think it opens up a whole new, a whole new world for you. I mean, I also think that I'm not a mainstream writer. I haven't had Harry Potter success, but I've also felt that, every time I keep, the more I write with, without the noise of massive success, I've been able to, to sort of harness what I really want to do without being confused by public approval. (laughs) Right. Like the stakes are never too high. I feel like I'm, I've had a, maybe a similar version of that where it's like the stakes are never so high that like, I'm like, Oh, I, I better write like the next, you know, whatever. Yeah. Harry Potter of music. They can get in your head. I would imagine if you if you land number one, and I and I hope you do because I think it'd be great for you. Um, yeah. And I feel also that you know at this point in your career you could handle it emotionally in the sense that it wouldn't get in your head the way it might have if you were nineteen. Yeah, totally. A lot of stuff got in my head back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, it, I bet it did. And and how did you untangle all that stuff that got in your head, or or were you were you able to step away from it and go like, okay, I need to take a beat. I think it's hard. There's a few things. Like one thing that was weird is like, we just made something, put it out and everyone liked it. And that was our first EP. It was just like, Whoa, we just sold like, I don't know. I think it sold like 90,000 copies. And we were like, 
okay, great. Like, that's just who I am. That's what I do. Let's do it again. And then that didn't happen again. It was like, okay, that's uh, interesting. So I think that part of, as I go through it is like, as I keep making records, it's like, okay, it's, it's not only about what you make. And it's like, oh, that moment back then, that wasn't entirely because of what you made and who you were. It's because of the moment that was happening around you and all these other factors. And it's actually really outside your control. And I think that it w- it's, it's been motivating to think that like, oh, if I just write something that hits, then these doors are going to open for me. But it's actually much, much more complicated than that. And um, I think kind of living with that, like both sides of that knowledge of like, okay, I can write. I can write my face off and like have fun doing that, but it's not necessarily gonna, it just doesn't guarantee anything. Like you can pour as much time and energy as you want or something. It's not going to guarantee anything. So you have to be doing that because you really want to. Um, and I think that that's sort of like, yeah, that's like the maybe more of a balanced place. I'm trying to arrive at a bit. Yeah. And one of the things I love about, Canada, I mean, aside from just loving Canada as a country, is I find I find that the the bands I've talked to, whether they're from you know Newfoundland or um like the Halifax bands, they all mm-hmm. seem to there seems to be a real community. Um and and I maybe this is just a romantic perception I have of Canada, but it's like um just from the conversations I've had it does seem like there is a support system, a confederacy among bands that I don't see in America, at least not the way it used to be. Is that a true perception? I think, yeah. I think like community in like a very loose sense of the word in terms of just like most of the time someone's like, oh yeah, I, I know them or like, oh yeah, I, I, I met them or, and <clears throat> like, uh, I don't know, like I'm texting like, you know, Charlie from Dizzy about like monitor mixers and stuff and like i'm able to like there it, yeah it it is like a supportive community and but yeah it's not it's not like you know it's not that tight it's pretty freaking loose but uh yeah i think it's there a bit because there's all these weird shows that happen in canada like and like weird <clears throat> gigs and festivals in ontario that you bump into people on and then it's like, Oh yeah. Calgary stampede. You doing it this year. Oh yeah. No, we're doing that. Okay. And then there's like the, like all those like little festivals you bump into people. And then um, so many people are in Toronto. I, I think definitely more than the U S but then in the U S you got, you got competition. Like it's really, it's really competitive. Like the stuff that's yeah. why, you know, that's why the big stars are Americans because they're coming from an incredibly competitive environment uh and i don't think that's bad for the music like that's good for the music too but it's less happy to live in maybe that I mean, that might be true and you mm-hmm. seem like a competitive person but only with yourself like you, you don't seem like you would be um oh, no, i'm jealous of everyone are you <laughs> yeah i'm jealous of everyone i <laughs> i uh yeah, I like I have to um but I'm happy that everyone's doing well. Like I'm happy about it. Right. But I I have to shield myself from things. Like when people are having huge success, I got to like unfollow them on Instagram and if someone's got like an awesome new song, everyone's like, "Oh, have you heard the new <clears throat> Phoebe Bridgers or Waxahachie?" I'm like, "Nope, and I will not be listening to them <laughs> for 3 years, my friend." Because uh I feel like there was a time where I felt like it was my job to, to know what was going on. And it's like, you know what? I can turn the radio on for a second, listen to a little Spotify playlist, whatever. And I can hear what kind of snare drum people are using. And I can get a few ideas like, like to get inspired by other people's music. Like you could just like turn on like CBC radio in the morning for a second and take something out of context and get inspired by it. I don't need to go listen to the best record of the year. Right. Um, so yeah, there was a time where I would like let that stuff into my head and now I'm like, no, no, no. 
Right. You, I, I love hearing that you, that you are competitive in that way, but also in a, in a positive way, because you are happy for, for people. Yeah. Because um, the truth is that we're not, I honestly don't think that we're competing with each other. Right. Like, because if there's excellent stuff, people are going to want more excellent stuff. Um, but, uh, I, but like my, my lizard brain, like doesn't think that way. So I just, I adhere to, you know, what it wants. I know what you mean. I, I've seen people land book deals where I'm, I kind of look and I go, wow, you're in a, you're in a good publishing house and you've got, wow, a six book deal. Wow. And exactly. I kind of go, right. You go, what do I have? And, and you kind of, not a six book deal, um, yeah. you know, or you just, you just compare, I think naturally, but yeah. Um, I don't think we're supposed to like rise above that. I don't think that's one of those things where it's like, oh, like you're small and petty because that bothers you. It's like, no, everyone feels that way. And it's just about managing it and knowing that well, it's not true necessarily. That yeah, it, it's a hard voice to quiet. Yeah, totally. You know, and I think your, your solution of, well, maybe I don't have to really pay attention to it seems healthy. I, I think so. I think that's been one of the, I definitely, yeah, yeah, maybe that is one of the, the more healthy things I figured out. I, I'm definitely, you know, I'm, yeah, maybe that's one thing I've, I've kind of been like, yeah, I'm over that. Then. Has it been helpful to have somebody who understands the rigors of the industry that you're in because they're in that industry? Um, has that been helpful? Because I would imagine that it would be incredibly, um, incredibly helpful to have that under the same roof, someone who really is sympathetic and understanding to exactly what you have to deal with. Yeah. I think there's nothing like get like, you know, like I'll play something for Allison and she's like, fucking you're killing it again. Like, great. Keep going. I'm like, okay. And then like turning over in bed right before we go to sleep and be like, Hey, you know that thing I say in the pre-chorus? I feel like, I should better, 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 better. You think you go like this? And she was like, she's always like, yeah, no, I noticed that too. It definitely. And you're like, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it just, rem it's, it's been a great way to remove obstacles. But I do think that like, then if she's like, oh, I'm stressed because my press person's not writing back and, and I sent this thing and I, and then I'm like, well, I'm stressed because I have to have this music video done for tomorrow and blah, blah, blah. And if there is that thing of like the workplace, like the, the bullshit side of it, uh, we're probably, I think we're less equipped to help each other deal with because it, they, th those things sort of multiply each other. So I think like we've both kind of learned to like reach outside more for like, oh, okay, I'm going to need to talk to someone else about, about this part of it. Um, but not, but yeah, that like, I mean, I think, yeah, when you're a writer, you're like, that's the closest thing to your heart is like this thing. And so when somebody's able to reach in there and, or not reach in there, but just, you know, help that thing run a little smoother. That's pretty, pretty major. Yeah. And it feels to me like what you're describing also is that in many ways, it's like 24 hour tech support, you know, it's sort of like, it's <laughs> totally. right. I feel like Allison's great. Cause she's, um, I feel like we're both writing from like an authentic, like full human being, uh, perspective, like, I mean, she like, you know, she's got a, her own voice and that's what's um, exciting and attractive. But she also comes from like a different background. Like her dad is like a jazz musician and her brother plays music and she grew up playing music and she's a very, she naturally has always been a good singer and she um, is into like, you know, musicals and uh, folk music and, and just like a whole other side of things where I'm like, oh, like. I'm more like the guy who, you know, was just doing like, you know, downstrokes on bass and like I needed it to get edited and I was listening to other stuff. And, and so it's like a nice, it's, it's nice being with somebody who's, I don't know, to me, sometimes I'm just like, okay, she's like a real musician though. <laughs> she assures me I am certainly a real musician as well. You are definitely a real musician. Um, I look at, at some bands, like I look at a band like like Always, who I love, um, and I think like they haven't, they've been around for over 10 years and they haven't put out that much work. Um, and I wonder, I wonder about that, where I think like, you know, it makes me wonder about, about that time in between, like here's our first new album in four years, five years. And I always think like, wow, like that's a, that process seems like it would be too slow 
for you, you seem like you have a pace that is really comfortable for you. Um, does yeah, it? That that is interesting because like always is certainly a band with like a voice there. Like, um, like she's certainly. I'm like okay, like like it's it's just it's really great, and it and she's a full artistic presence there, and for me. I feel like, you know, I hope that I'm also like that. I can't, I can't bear to not be putting stuff out. Like I can't, it feels like I can't be silent for that long. So yeah, that, that sounds like either they're incredibly well adjusted or for me, that would be like pretty, pretty painful. Yeah. It all, it seems very purposeful too. Like it seems like it's a purposeful way of doing it. Right. Yeah. I mean, it definitely is a good move business-wise is just to be like, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, they're obviously doing a great job of, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and I, I just think in terms of sometimes there's authors who you know won't put a book out for 10 years and it's sort of like, what's happening, what's going on. And it's like, well, I guess that's just the pace that they have decided upon. And, you know, like for me also, I kind of feel like, you know, time is, there's not a ton of time when you really think of life really is very short and you want to sort of get out as much as you can, yeah. um, which is sort of a, which is a dark thought, but you know what I mean? I feel like that about guided by voices. I feel like, man, like this guy, no matter like he, like, I don't know. I feel like if aliens came to the planet, like a hundred years after humans existed, they'd find all his records and be like, wow, this guy really existed. Like he definitely was a person alive it's like proof of existence and i feel like certainly it's overwhelming as an audience but like as the creator like i think yeah there's like quantity is its own quality you're like i i I definitely made my mark yeah it's it's mind-boggling to think about i've been really getting into the fall in the last couple of years and i just that's a band i've only scratched surface of a few years ago, but they've got me some- too. I, I had two years ago, and I sort of somewhere around 2010, I was like, it's time for me to really immerse myself in the fall. And I've I've been making my way through that catalog for the last 10 years. <laughs> There's so much work, oh, wow. um, and it's fascinating. And I think Guided by Voices, uh, they lap the fall by 50 times. I mean, it's just like it's unbelievable. Yeah, they've got like as many box sets as bands have records. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. They're sort of the anti always. And it's sort of it's just a different attack. And yeah. I can appreciate both. Um, because I do think like with always, it's sort of like, oh, here's a little bit for you, and I'll bet you want some more. And it's like, yeah, I do want some more, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas got it by voice is like, here's a ton of it, and and I still want more of that too. So it's I don't know, it's a it's a tricky thing. Yeah. Yeah. But I love Got It by Voices. I love both bands for for totally different reasons. But um, yeah, if you dig into the fall, I think you'll I think you'll like what you find. I will. I can't I can't remember the song I was listening to before, but yeah, there was some. Uh, yeah, there was like a there was like one thing I was like always listening to, but I can't remember now. It's it's also one of the things I really like about the fall is that they really didn't give a shit what was in vogue. Like you could tell that he didn't care what he he was adhering to whatever it was that he was hearing in his head. And it's so singular. And I find it to be artistically encouraging that people like that existed. Yeah, I think that's that's what you have to do. I mean, yeah, you can't chase the thing because it's going to be different in a minute. And yeah, you got to follow the muse, man. You got to follow the muse. It's really, really important. And there are times where if you think about like what's popular and you think like maybe I'll, maybe I'll try to write to what's popular. I think then there's, it's hard to recover from that. Yeah. And, and to be fair, like I do that all the time. Like I feel like because I'm intent on writing frequently, like there's some days where I'll get up and that's the mood I'm in. I'm just like, okay, what are these kids doing over here with their, with this stuff and I'll go and try and make one and it'll be um you know nine times out of ten will just be not fruitful but I did it and I honestly I have I have so many times like that where I'm like okay I'm gonna go um do this thing and I don't know play what I I don't know I have this thing about uh new songs I hear is like the 
they're all C like, well, I mean like they're all like one, four and six chords. Like they're all C, F and A minor and no one goes to the five and no one goes to the two. And they like, they'll be like down tempo C and F uh, and everyone will have these melodies that focus on the second note of the scale, which is like, like Drake and like, like everyone's like doing this thing. It just, it's like, as it sounds a certain way. And as soon as you'd hear it, you'd be like, Oh, it's that. And like, everyone's like moping around on the second note of the scale over these chords. And they've got their like wobbly lo-fi synth. And uh, so some days I'll just be like, okay, well let's go do that. If it's, if you're, you know, um, and then, yeah, and I'll do it. And then sometimes it'll be usually, I feel like some, it like won't be productive, but then like it'll go into the back of my brain and then it will come out later for something. And yeah, so I mess around with that sometimes. It's like a drill. It's like just doing a, yeah. a drill that you wouldn't do in the real game, but it could be useful. Yeah. And that's the thing. The writing process is not the real game. Like I don't, it doesn't, the writing process is not where I'm, I have to be competitive about it. It's the things that come out of it. Like that, like, you know, uh, that's where I want people to react to it and like it, but yeah. In terms of process, it sounds like you're like, you're doing something every day. Like you're, you're working on writing or playing on a, you do have a daily routine. Yeah. It's not a routine, but it's like a habit. Like I've always just kind of been like, if there's a guitar in the room, I, I want to pick it up and um, I'm always yeah, but I, I've 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 had a weird few weeks. I I haven't uh, I did a little bit of writing yesterday for the first time in a while. But and I actually Tokyo played a show and I wrote something. Actually, I wrote. I'm pretty excited about something I wrote uh, last week. Um, yeah, I feel like I took a little bit of a minute f- from really doing it. But yeah, generally most of the time I'm doing I'm doing something. Like even if it's just like before bed for five minutes, like I'm doing something. I think taking a minute is also part of the process. You know, letting letting yourself breathe for for a few minutes or hours or days. Yeah, yeah, that that yeah, that needs to happen sometimes. It does. You need to write because your I think your creative brain is always engaged. I don't I don't think it ever stops, and I think it's always taking notes subconsciously. Even if you're like, oh, I'm not doing anything. I think you are doing something even when you're not. Yeah, totally. I think one of the things that happened recently was like my um solo record that's coming out next month like I think a a few months ago it felt like very far in the future and I was like um yeah excited and just writing I was writing Tokyo stuff that I thought was going to be great for Tokyo and some solo stuff too and now that it's closer it feels more real and it's not gonna I'm like okay this isn't going to be like probably isn't going to be like some crazy life-changing record, which is how I hope every, everything I hope it like has some, you know, wish fulfillment aspect to its success. And I'm like, okay, my solar arc is coming out. This feels way more tangible and real. And I have to now bring my expectations in line with everything that's going on. And I can see the landscape a little more now and Tokyo's kicking back into gear. So I'm re-familiarizing myself with like, Tokyo as people and not like a conceptual creative bubble. I don't know. I was like, just, I was just adjusting and I feel like it, my like creative facilities, like kind of toned down for a minute there. And I was like, okay, what's going on. And now I'm feeling, feeling happy and adjusted again. Were you, was there ever a moment where during all this pandemic stuff, which is still really happening in many ways, was there a panic of, in terms of like, you know, you're not 19. So it's sort of like, do you think of like, okay, from a commerce, from a survival angle, um, was there ever like a financial worry of like, how am I putting groceries on the table if I'm not playing shows, if I'm not out there promoting my work? Did that feel weird or did you feel fairly secure and, and confident about that in terms of blowing it over? Very fortunate to like feel confident about that. And like, I don't have, I'm not like raising kids. Uh, I don't have a mortgage and, um, I don't, I, I just don't have, I don't have an expensive lifestyle really. Uh, and, um, I mean, you know, of, you know, compared to some measures, but, uh, yeah. So I, I don't know. I just, it maybe if it had dragged on another year, like, um, I would have started to think about it, but I was fortunately like was fine. And, and now there's Tokyo's getting work again. And yeah, I think it's cool. Everything's okay. 
Um, I'm excited about your solo record. I'm also excited about the fact that I feel like there's going to be many solo records. I feel like this is like an avenue that you're going to probably be pursuing quite a bit. Thanks, man. Yeah, I, um, I'm excited to uh, have like let that part of myself have more of like it will be like an ongoing dialogue of like, oh, this is what this guy's up to now. And like, I'm, I'm sure, you know, I, I hope that it can be like, you know, if I you know, maybe a small but but tuned in tribe of you know people following what i do would be cool and um i would love it to break the threshold of being something i could like easily tour um and bring around without it being like a, a whole crazy like expense and then all like yeah 10 people came out in chicago or whatever um but you know maybe that's not the point of the solo thing maybe it's just for getting the creative stuff off my chest but but yeah i'm, I'm really excited and i'm glad to hear that yeah, and I, I mean, everything you've always done for me, I followed your career from the, you know, the beginning. And, uh, you know, it's, it's always, to me, it's always invigorating. It's always fresh. Um, there's always so many like cool ideas happening. And I always um, have admired what you do. And, um, you know, I'm, uh, I'm excited about, about the future for you. So. Thanks. Yeah, I, me, me too. I'm excited that like, yeah, I, I'm really excited about Tokyo right now. I'm like, oh, okay, this is going to be this is going to be fun. I, I feel very like free and like, I feel like the last Tokyo record, we had some like, some like, you know, I think we had some anger to get off our chest and like kind of reckoning with, with like where we, what we'd gone through and stuff. And now it's like, Ooh, I feel feeling pretty light feeling excited. So yeah. It's a good feeling to have. Yeah. Um, I appreciate you taking the time and chatting with me. This has been really uh, helpful for me too, as a, <laughs> as a writer. Yeah, I had a great time. This was this was uh, blossomed into a great, great little conversation. Great conversation. Let's do it again. Come back on the show. Okay, I would love to. All right, thanks, man. Okay, cheers. I'll catch you later, man. Bye. Here, buddy. conversation great guy dave monks it's uh dave monks music on facebook you can also go to davegoeswild.com or of course tokyopoliceclub.com i've always wanted to be me is the album get it it's awesome alexgreenonline.com is where you need to go to find out what's happening with me bombshellradio.com is where you need to go to find out what's happening with our radio station and there is always a lot happening with our radio station. You can also follow me on Twitter at Embers Editor or on Instagram at Embers Podcast or just email me, editor at stereoembersmagazine.com. Stereo Embers, the podcast, is available on all podcast platforms. We're very proud of that, by the way. We bring it up in conversation whenever we can, like, for example, now. Uh, go to the one that you use, subscribe, rate, and review. And tell all your friends. We would really appreciate it. Especially if you're one of those people who has a lot of friends. Uh, thank you, as always, for listening week in and week out. We truly are grateful for your listenership. Let's close the show with a longer listen to Wild Like Me by Dave Monks. Enjoy it, and I'll see you next time right here on Stereo Embers, the podcast only on Bombshell Radio.